friends. Welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am both grateful and honored that you've chosen to tune in today. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. Today's interview is one that's near and dear to my heart as I had the honor of interviewing my dad, Bill Goldner. So if you were to read a professional bio about my father, here's what it would say. Bill Goldner and his wife, Linda, have five fantastic children and 12 terrific grandchildren. He and his wife live in Disney, Oklahoma. They've built and pastored three churches over the course of 35 years. During that time, they also founded the New Lifehouse Girls Home and Picture and Scripture Amphitheater, which has had guests from all 50 states and 124 foreign nations. Their most recent venture is Oasis Animal Adventures, which provides special services for special people through interaction with a wide variety of animals. Bill is also the author of Dealing with Disappointment, a quick read that's sure to encourage anyone who has been disappointed. But hey guys, as his daughter, here's my description of my daddy. I would say that he has been a father who loves unconditionally, just like our Heavenly Father. This man, he is responsible for the woman that I am today, and anyone who meets him can see the love of Jesus in his eyes. He always has an encouraging word, and he knows the Bible better than anyone that I know. Today we talked about his salvation story, how my parents got started with their outside-of-the-box ministries, and leaving a godly legacy. So with no further ado, please meet my dad, Bill Goldner. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. I have an exciting guest for you today, and I actually happen to be sitting next to him. That is my dad. And here's the thing I want you to know. We are sitting in our dining or their dining room, so you might notice a little bit of a difference on the audio, but I was okay with that because I felt very strongly on my heart that God wanted to bring my father on this podcast. Uh, for those of you who follow me in this online space, you probably know that my dad has had several health challenges over the years, but the most recent one was we had quite a scare whenever he was lifelighted. I got that message when I was sitting by the pool with our kids and got the message from my mom. Oh, I hope I can make it through this show without crying. The dad had been lifelighted and I, you know, went to work doing what I know to do and that's praying over him. And, and I also, many of you joined in and praying over him too. And so I'm up here visiting them and kind of helping out a little bit around their house. And we just had an opportunity to get on here and talk. And I just want you guys to meet my dad because he is somebody who has just poured into me over the years. He is the reason that I am the woman I am today. Of course, the Lord is the reason I'm the woman I am today, but um, he, he played a big role in that. And so, Dad, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Rachel. It's a delight to be here. See your smiling face and the, the real, real Rachel. Yeah. You are real. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, this is actually fun, too, because I don't I rarely get to interview my guests sitting next to them. So this is fun. Actually feels like an even more of a real conversation. So here's the thing about today's episode. I actually have zero questions in front of me. Usually when I interview guests, I have a list of questions. And whenever I asked on Instagram, if you guys wanted me to 
bring my dad on and what we should talk about. Many of you said, yes, please. And one of the biggest themes I saw that you guys asked was you wanted to know about leaving a godly legacy because it's clear, you know, the mere fact that you have a a father and a daughter sitting here recording a podcast together (laughs) speaks volumes of obviously our relationship. And that's something that many people are very interested in hearing more about. But before we jump into that, dad, another thing that some of the people want to know is they're actually wanting to know about your salvation story. So if you want to share that. Well, I was out here on this property. Oh, it'd be 45 years ago, 47, and got snowed in. And my brother had given me a a Bible. (laughs) It was a, a lime green cover on it. It didn't really look like a Bible to me. I didn't really know too much about a Bible. And I didn't know there was an Old and New Testament. So we got snowed in, we being my beautiful wife, Linda, and myself. And I just started reading it just like any other book. It, page one of Genesis. Is, I was reading along through there, and I found it rather interesting. And I was thinking, well, I, I believe these things, you know. And then I started reading the plagues of uh, on on Egypt and Pharaoh, and I started to feel like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really not in any better shape than that guy than Pharaoh. Uh, I kind of started feeling like I deserve some kind of judgment, and but I didn't know what to do about it, and so I actually went outside and was just kind of standing there, and you know, by then it quit snowing, but it was a cold night, clear out. And we were out in the country, and you could hear a pin drop. But interestingly enough, an owl was hooting uh, down the canyon a little bit there. And it just, I had a desire in my heart just to look up to the sky as if I really didn't know why. Later on, of course, I found out, you know, even the heavens declare the handiwork of God 24-7. And so, but when I looked up there, the thought occurred to me that if there's a God that he is saying, you know, I I know every one of these stars where they are. Now, you know, in retrospect, I, I didn't know anything about Isaiah, you know, and he calls them all by name. None of them is missing because of his power. And it just was kind of an overwhelming, but a, a good feeling about, well, I have this one feeling of judgment, but I have this other feeling of the grandeur and the greatness of the universe and the creation. And just a thought occurred to me, he's bigger than judgment. And what's so remarkable to me about that, I I really just didn't know a lot of scripture. And, you know, it turns out that all these things are in the scripture. So I just prayed and I said, God, if you're real, I'd like to know that that was my prayer. I didn't know how to pray. And he changed my heart. Uh, literally, I, I felt a transformation take place. I was uh, given to anger before that. And that actually broke the power of anger in me with his transforming love. Now, I found out later on, I was still able to get angry, which really startled me. You know, in fact, when I did, I, I thought, well, I guess nothing happened. And I ran down the road into our house and literally, which was a 30 foot long trailer. And I ran and 
to a closet, which was barely big enough to sit down, closed the door and just sat there in the dark. I thought, well, that was that. Nothing happened. But yet my heart was so stirred about I knew something had happened. About that time, I hear a, a knock on the door. And so I kind of tentatively opened my closet door and uh, walked out and opened, answered the door. And it was a local country preacher. Mm-hmm. And he had heard that I'd gotten saved. And he said, Bill, what's what's up? Because he could tell, you know, I was really upset. I said, well, I got mad at someone a while ago when we were putting up barbed wire fence and I my, I blew up like I used to in that roll of barbed wire. I took it and knocked that guy down and ground it in his chest. And he said, well, I could see where that could disturb somebody. And on the heels of that is when I ran down the driveway, ran into the trailer, opened the closet door, got in it, shut it, sat down in pitch darkness. But yet there's still a stirring in my heart. I know something good has happened to me. And that's when the country preacher showed up. And he said, uh, and I said, well, I feel like I've just absolutely ruined any chance that I had, you know, to actually get delivered from anger and darkness. And, and he said, well, have you asked God to forgive you? And I, I remember standing there looking at him. I'm, I'm sure my mouth must have just dropped open. And I said, what'd you say? He said, have you asked God to forgive you? I said, well, I never thought about being able to be forgiven. You know, I, I thought once you messed up after something good had happened to you, that was it for you. And so he explained to me about what had happened in my heart about the transforming power of God. And uh, how even though we were bent toward and inclined toward evil and hatred and deceitfulness, that everything that God does in, in our life is has no shadow or turning of variance in it. He's 100% light. In Him there's no darkness at all. So that doesn't separate us. That's not meant to make us feel intimidated, but draw us. In other words, well, here's your answer to darkness. He is totally light. And the light overcomes the darkness. So that's what that's what happened to me. That didn't know there's an old old New Testament. I just knew something had happened, and um, it had some forty five years ago set me free. Wow! I was drawn to a couple parts of your story. First of all, that your salvation started with someone giving you a Bible. And do you know how long you owned that Bible before you actually opened it and read it? Oh, a year when they gave it to me. I was cynical about it, tried to not be too rude to the person that gave it to me because I thought, oh, wow, Bible, that's that's really what I need. I literally put it on the bookshelf. Yeah. And then a year later then when we got snowed in and I was kind of bored because we were way out in the country and you didn't just pick up and take off back then very easily. So I got looking for something to read and I read about everything else that we had and I saw that lime green Bible. Berkeley Modern English Translation. I have it to this day. Uh, I got it off and started reading it. And that's when I thought, well, I, I believe this stuff, you know, that, that's in there, but I'd never done anything about it. So it's interesting to me that the Lord got my attention in the midst of the judgments that I was reading about, because I, I, I think a lot of us are inclined to judge other people more harshly than we do ourselves, mm-hmm. and then 
then there comes a flip-flop sometime when we judge ourselves so harshly, we feel like there's no relief or release from that. And so as I was reading the scripture, I, I thought, wow, I mean, this is amazing that he, he, being the Lord, made a way out if anyone would just say yes. And so, yeah, yeah when I, that Bible sat in our bookcase for about a year before I opened it up and started reading it. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging to hear, though, just because sometimes we never know the seeds we're planting in people's lives. And at the right time, you know, God will God will use that. I also love that you said you actually ran and hid in your car. You basically ran back to darkness the first time that anger came out of you, which isn't that what we do, you know, and we're what the enemy wants us to do is just to run and hide from God, you know? <laughs> well, that's very perceptive on your part. That's that's exactly right. That's the only time in my life, really, that I can ever recall yeah. running and hiding. I've, I've been scared before. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, because of some feeling that, well, I've blown it so bad, yeah, I can't even be out in public, you know, yeah. or anything like that. And so I did. I, I ran and hit it. You know, a 30-foot-long trailer and in the quote-unquote master bedroom, it was our closet. Well, it wasn't a, it, a walk-in closet in there. Was That's what you could do. You could walk in it and close the door. Yeah. And that that's it. You know, so when I sat down, I kind of bulged the walls out a little bit, I'm sure. But um, that, that's interesting that you say and then run back to darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then, but also what was neat about that is God immediately sent somebody to teach you truth, you know, that, wait, you can ask for forgiveness. You don't have to go running every time you sin. And right. I just feel that in my heart that there's probably somebody listening today that maybe they feel like they needed to run, you know, they needed to hide. And, and this podcast today, hopefully is an encouragement to them like that pastor was to you. No, you don't. God's the God of second and millionth chances. So that's really good. Well, you're really right about that, Rach. And, um, you know, it's been, I guess, actually approximately 47 years now since I got saved. And I've never really connected these two dots that, that you're kind of alluding to right now. It's like when the Lord said to Adam and Eve, where are you? Because mm-hmm. they'd run and hid when they heard him coming, but he came and found them. And that country, I ran and hid from God. Mm-hmm. No way around it. And then that country preacher, and I, the only reason I'm saying country preacher is not minimizing or diminishing any way, shape, or form being a country preacher. But it was an effort back then to get where we needed to be at that time. You know, we had no cell phones. In fact, all the best we had was a party line. And a lot of people will remember that, you know. So for him to show up without requesting he come or anything like that was a, a divinely orchestrated for sure. And then I found out that God was still approachable and he had sent him to, to seek me out. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so then at what point were you called to ministry yourself to become a preacher? Well, rather shortly on the heels of that, because I was so intrigued and infatuated and frankly blessed and liberated from reading the scripture that I, I found out I, I could remember scripture pretty well. And, you know, someone said, well, how, how can you memorize so much scripture? And, of course, it's from immersing yourself in it, in the word and so on. But basically, I think it has to do with a good memory is something that enables you to remember 
everything that's worth remembering and not remember things that aren't worth remembering. Like Paul said, you know, dwell on these good things because here's the deal. The bad things, what do we, what do we do? Dwell on them because if you dwell on them, you're, you're sitting on them. I mean, you're really going over it, rehearsing it. I can't believe they had the nerve of all the gall to do something like that to me, you know, and just dwell on it and keep it alive and rehearse it. You know, we find that we're dwelling on something if we're still rehearsing it and telling the same story over and over and over. And our crowd gets smaller and smaller and smaller because nobody wants to be close to you, you know, after a while like that. So when he says, think on these things, you know, whatever is good and kind of good report and lovely, it takes an effort to do that. And we find as we do it, there is liberty there. That That's what's just amazing to me where the spirit of the Lord is. There's actually liberty mm-hmm. and liberty in whatever area is a binding you. So it's not just a list of things. This is what it'll be. It's anything you have need of to become more like Christ. Yeah, I love that. That's, this is one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on the podcast was because I told my friends this before about you that scripture just pours out of you, which to me is you know evidence of a couple of things. One, obviously, like you said, I mean, the Lord, I do believe God gifts you know some people to just really, like you said, you could memorize scripture and it just made sense to you. And and then also, I mean, you you have as long as I can remember, you've always been in the word. You know, I remember as a little girl seeing you reading your Bible and you've had that recovered how many times? At least once, I know. It, right. The, and then one time it fell off my motorcycle and tore it all up. And I kept it like that for a while because I thought it kind of looked pretty good. You know, yeah. well, he uses his Bible so much that cover's all beat up. And then I realized that really wasn't a good reason to keep it. So I got it redone. That's funny. <laughs> See, I'm learning things on today too. I didn't know about the, the motorcycle one. So, you know, I was yeah. kind of doing that jokingly yeah. to myself, yeah. you know, but I thought, no, so I got it redone. Yeah. And interestingly enough, it took me a while to get used to the fact of a different cover on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of easy to enshrine memories on our heart mm-hmm. rather than a fresh experience with the Lord. And mem- mem- memories are good, of, of course. You know, if we remember the, the good good things and don't compare it to today. Mm-hmm. Well, man, it was so much better back then. Well, Scripture says it's not from wisdom that you inquire about that mm-hmm. because you aren't back then. You're right now, and nobody's future has room for their past, whether or not it's a good or bad past. You don't have room to carry that along without obscuring the future that is unmarked, unmarred, uncharted, that takes faith to walk into, in a way from a beat-up Bible cover that fell off your motorcycle and got scuffed up, and someone said, wow, you must really use that. So that's kind of kiddingly to myself why I did that. But it took me a while because the familiarity mm-hmm. of that Bible, it's just kind of like someone, their salvation experience. I've seen somebody almost get in a fist fight in church because when people were down praying at the altar, someone came up and said, hey, you are in my place where God touched me. Now get out of here. And <laughs> I couldn't believe it, you know, but we can enshrine things that are ridiculous. But he's the king of kings, the king of hearts. Was that the lime green Bible initially? No. No, no. it was a different one. Th- this okay. was a di- it was a new American Standard Bible. It had a, a brown 
okay. kind of cardboard cover on it. And then, it, so it's pretty easy. It, it was worn out. I mean, I still have that Bible to this day. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You said something really powerful there, and I'm probably going to butcher it, so you might have to correct me, that nobody's future has room for our past. Is that what you said? Yes. And what I love, though, you said whether it was a good or a bad past. Because right. I think we all know, well, duh, I don't want my bad past up. You know, right. we're, we're willing to walk away from a bad past all day long. Like, right. yeah, get me out of here. But I had never considered a good past. You know, you, you're longing to go back to your past when the, right. things were easier and that whatever, you know. But that that's just really powerful. Yeah, it, it is in this in the scripture, you know. And I think the preacher said that. I, I kind of laugh at that scripture, not derisively, but that's a nice way to say you're really stupid. And, you know, it says it's not from wisdom that you inquire about that. That's just saying you're dumb. But it says it says a nice way. And, and you know, the, the whole gamut of communication, the Holy Spirit puts it how it needs to be to who the listening audience is going to be. And some like it hot, some not so much, but it's all truth if it's coming from the scripture. And so rather than repel people, it draws them or opens our, opens the eyes of our heart. That's one way Paul prayed. And a re- very effective way to pray for people is that I pray that the Lord will open the eyes of your heart. Ephesians chapter one, verse 18, I believe. And so it starts with the heart. Even our animal therapy program, our motto is gateway to the heart. There's something about animals that's generally therapeutic, but then baby animals, we've even seen hardened, cynical people. The first words out of their mouth is, aw, isn't that cute? Well, that's so disarming. You know, you can move right along to the heart of a matter in areas like that that might take weeks or months otherwise to see what we're really dealing with. And so he always starts with the heart. That's mm. where the good stuff happens. You must be where I learned that because that's a real big thing for me that, and I think my podcast listeners know this, I'm always after the, it's all about the heart, you know, and the scripture has a lot to say about the heart. And so I'm glad you brought that up. It, it, it certainly is. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned just now about the animal therapy cr- program, but you guys did not start there. You started with a couple other things. You want to share about those? Well, we started a girl's home years ago, I think in the early 80s. I think that was started uh, the year I was born. That'd be 84 then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I just told everyone how old you are. You you don't, you don't. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> All right. Now, next we'll tell your weight. And, so, oh. and we got to go and we're out. <laughs> Which happens to be wonderful. Of course, I'm kind of other philosophy. Whatever your weight is, you should be just as much love with yourself in a wholesome sense mm-hmm. as someone else, you know. Yeah. But anyhow, lest I digress and uh, too much from what I normally do. What'd you ask me? Oh, yeah. I'm like, I can't even remember now. You got you started talking about my weight and I blinked out. No, <laughs> um, no, yeah. I asked you the um, about the girls home that started right. in yeah. the year I was born. That's that's right. After I'd gotten saved, I was driving down the dam at Pensacola. Uh, it's Pensacola Dam on Grand Lake, Oklahoma, between Disney and Langley, and rather narrow. And I was driving along rather early in the morning to go play golf, and so it was a little bit grayish out. I saw someone in the middle of the road, and there's no room to pull to the right or left because it's, it's rather narrow with the abutment on both sides of the dam. And so I just missed 
whoever it was, and, and on the way by, which I was, of course, slowing down, I could see it was a teenage girl. And it was about 5.30 in the morning. There was no way to turn around. And, of course, immediately I start to see if she needed help. And, and I, I start to think about, well, you know, turning around, going to try to help a teenage girl can be misunderstood, misrepresented. But yet it was obvious to me. She'd either got an early start on the morning or a late stop on the night. And I knew in my heart it's a late stop on the night. And uh, she was disheveled looking and so on. And so when I got to the other end of the dam, it's a little over one mile long. There's nowhere to turn around. I got to the other end and I turned around and came back. And uh, I, I couldn't see her. And to this day, I don't know what happened to her. There is a walkway along the side of the dam that if a person was careful you can't climb over and get on that walkway out of sight of the road whether or not that's what she did i don't know some people have speculated that maybe it was an angel that's possible Uh, but what it was was a visit from the holy spirit to my heart that just put it on my heart to build a home to help teenage girls that were in various oh types of life controlling problems, whether they were their fault or doing or someone else's, the results are pretty much the same. A a dysfunctional life, a life without hope. So we we ultimately built that home. We started at $84 cash and built it in one year's time, 6,000 feet, uh, debt free. Because people, when we shared the vision with them, would step up and make contributions of like-kind contributions of of goods or services as as well as cash. And it wasn't an easy go when I say we did it in in one year or so. There were were times it it was quite frustrating. And even the the boo birds came out. We got it dried in, which was be the roof on it didn't have windows on it or anything like that yet our doors and so it started snowing and you know the roof got snow all over it the snow blew inside it and that's when the boo birds the mockers and jeerers started to come out of the woodwork they didn't come from the community of the lost they came from church people mm-hmm. religious people uh, i begin to find out because I hadn't been saved all that long. We were moving along rather quickly with the help of the Lord, that some of the most brutal people are those with a religious spirit. And that's one reason Jesus really wouldn't give them the time of day. They had no ears to hear. And so he he was going to people that had ears to hear. The message is the same to all of us, you know, regardless of gender or ethnicity or anything like that. It's still a message of hope help health and peace to whosoever will and so that really bothered me when people started oh i shouldn't say coming out of the woodwork it wasn't like there's a big stampede of it if there had only been one would have been one that surprised me and so that was kind of uh frustrating and made us waver a little bit you know on how we'd get it done but we knew that's what we're supposed to do so uh, the Lord continued to work it out with faithful people and people that believed and caught the vision. And, and it's really, really doing real well today. Now, the new Life House has a 
high school that is accredited. And when girls come in from around the United States of America and overseas, uh, they can get a credits for their education right here in our own high school. Uh, they will transfer back anywhere they go. And, and that just comes from many, 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 many people over the year, not not from your mom and Linda and me, but many people, you know, stepping up and taking things to another level. And, and so it's thriving and doing real well to this day. Yeah. I love that you brought up, though, that in the beginning, you know, when the Lord asked you to do something that, quite frankly, was audacious and, you know, just crazy and never been done before, at least out here, you know, that you did have, you know, discouragers that came along the way. Cause I know every single person listening as well as myself can relate to that. You know, it seems right. like the second you step out in faith, there's at least one person who comes along that, you oh, know, yeah. just whispers things that the enemy really is using their voice to tear us down and get, try to get us to stop. Well, looking back, mom and I chuckle because with our $83, Someone was kind enough to draw plans for it. So we took our $83 and bought grade stakes and string and went out and staked the whole thing out. And when there wasn't anything, there was zero money at that point because time we cleared out a little bit of the land, you know, so we could pull our string lines and so on. And a, a busload of senior citizens from a church came out from Tulsa looked at what we were doing because we told them, hey, we're building this girl's home and here's what we're anticipating to happen. So they said, well, we'll come see what you're doing. And looking back, we really take a great delight in those older folks having the vision instead of laughing us right off the property. So when they saw, you know, we were, mom and I, I guess we're in our early 30s or maybe mid then, and they, they didn't make fun of us or jeer us, and they became a, a, a very nice supporter of, of the work for many, many years. Wow. I love that, too, because that's, you know, that talks about that generational legacy of just the the older generation pouring into the generation that was coming up. So that's really neat. I'd never well, that's right. And, you know, our legacy, mom and mine, is, is all you children. You know, we have five of the best children on the face of the earth and four girls and one boy, and you're our fifth born. And in fact, you were a real surprise. <laughs> you, you, you are a miracle baby, you know, and surprises aren't always, don't, they don't have a happy ending. You know, it'd be like Cousin Eddie pulling in. Surprise! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> but you you weren't that way. I mean, it's just been amazing. And when I hear you speaking and teaching and just encouraging people, it just is really satisfying to me because I know you really are real. Real talk with Rachel, you really are real. You know, I grew up down in Arlington, Texas. And if you were real, the old timers, had a, they'd say, are you real? Which just means you're the, you're the real deal. It also means people watch our lives to see if we're the real deal. Mm -hmm. And I think that's called letting your light shine before men that night. We would be glorified, but our Father in Heaven would be. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned, you know, watching me turn into, I think that it's safe to say that probably nobody in our family thought I would be the one to have a podcast. hundred <laughs> percent safe to say that. <laughs> so I would love for you to 
Well, first of all, I was kind of reminded of the time I marched you into your office oh and told you to stop telling stories on me because yeah. it was so mortifying. Do you remember that? I certainly do. I had to be, what, five or so? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you were all business. You, I'm going to see you in your office right now. And I'm sure you remember my office was probably roughly five feet wide by 10 feet long in the church we were mm-hmm. pastoring at the time. And so there was no way for me to escape in there. And so you come in and then you told me... I, you're going to have to clear everything with me before you tell any stories. And in so many words as a five-year-old could tell me, basically, I'm not to tell any more stories with you as a sermon illustration. <laughs> and now here I am dragging you yeah. into my podcast. So right. <laughs> full circle. You're so awesome. why would you say, I just like for people to hear, because a lot of times people meet me now who didn't know me when I was younger oh, and yeah. they think I've just always been doing what I do and, you know, speaking right. and that I have no fear. Uh, why would you say that I would have been the least likely that you guys would have guessed to have a podcast and be speaking and doing those kinds of things? Well, I guess we could call it what, what a number of things, introverted, shy, uh, maybe not completely confident because you had some of the kids in front of you that, oh, well, you're going to be like your sister. Well, there's an additional pressure, you know, but you were always, it's just the sweetest thing, you know, ever. And so when you, the, the reason that you came to do what you're doing is because you were sensitive to the spirit of God and to get outside your comfort zone. And there's a real protection in that because if we can remember the rock from which we were hewn, then we know that that rock is Christ. That's why we're stable and able to do what he says to do. Because normally, or let's say frequently, we're going into uncharted waters when we're having to trust him and step out in faith, which you did. And now you, your outreach has grown and grown and it's growing exponentially. And that's the goodness of the Lord because you're stepping out and doing what he said to do. It multiplies into people's lives. Yeah. Well, and clearly I learned that from you and mom. You know, you, you shared the story about the girls' home. And then after that, the year after is when you started the amphitheater, right? Right. We started Picture and Scripture Amphitheater. The, the name of Picture and Scripture was our general ministry and still is. I liked and still do enjoy doing word studies, exegetical studies. And I'm really no scholar in the languages myself. I rely on other people. That's essentially what they've given themselves to. A lot of the things that we say are, are actually captions from Scripture, you know, in, in slogans and words. And it's just really intriguing to me. So... Since that was our general ministry, I believe 1979 is when we incorporated. We just had it on our heart to do an amphitheater and write a biblical play. And so uh, I wrote The Man Who Ran, the story of Jonah, Jesus, and the great fish, based on Jonah rose up to flee from the Lord. That's a great book. Mm-hmm. That is a powerful book. Oh, man, it's one that... Should, should make us blush at times, you know, because unbelievers, there are believers in God on the ship, but not the God. 
And uh, they said, what? I can't believe you. Because he said, I'm, I'm running from God. They said, what? We got to, let's throw him overboard. Well, of course, that's what Jonah volunteered. You know, hey, go ahead and get rid of me. And they said, yeah, we'll do that. You know, you're, you're a heavier load than anything else we could jettison. And so we, 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 mom actually directs everything and from the get to go, it's always been a team deal. And then, of course, she ended up writing more plays than I did. Then she wrote The Elijah Factor, the story of the prophet Elijah and King Ahab and Queen Jezebel's conflicts. Powerful, powerful. And then just a few years ago, she wrote The Damascus Road, which many feel that's the most powerful of all on, on Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. That is so moving the way she wrote that. Uh, and this is, uh, so we, we did that to reach people. It's turned out that it's been also a place for the residents of the life house as they become more mature to take part in that if they'd like to. And they generally do like to. And so we'd always have 10 or 15 sometimes more involved in the play and as a part of their growing experience um, also because we'd have it in in front of pretty good crowds and and out here in the country i mean a crowd of a hundred is a pretty decent crowd but we'd go over a thousand occasionally and so and i definitely came to see that numbers are important in a sense that means you you're getting sowing more seed but yet one is really who Christ came to the earth for one person, and that'd be you. Yeah. And, and everyone hearing this, they're that one person, which includes the entire world one at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's also a valuable lesson I've learned from you guys over the years, because of course our world teaches us to look at numbers, you know, oh, absolutely. And, and oftentimes numbers, well, I would say more often than not, numbers rarely end up the way we envisioned they would. And that's where our faith comes in to say, well, Lord, take me back to the beginning when you just put it on my heart to do this. And so I'm going to be obedient to do it. And even with this podcast, I've had to do that, you know, not look yeah. at the numbers and not let those numbers can, can dictate whether or not I do something. It's Well, absolutely. You know, one thought that comes to my mind is I believe that's why the Lord told David, don't take a census. Mm-hmm. The only reason to do that is to say, look at me. Yeah. And and you guys better look at me too because I've got this many troops, I've got this many chariots, and uh, I've got this much muscle, money, and manpower. So what about when all you had was a sling? Ooh. And so you know, at that point, when he disobeyed the Lord, you know, said, so, "Well, what kind of oh consequences do you think you should have?" Kind of let him cut his own switch, but he gave him some options there. You want to have judgment by the hands of men or by the hand of God? Well, judgment with consequences either way and really handy, but I'll guarantee you if I select by men, I'll be a greasy spot in the field because men are ruthless Mm. in their pride and in my pride and our pride. He said, I'll take it at the hands of God. And it, it was pretty severe, but at least it had a stopping place. That's the difference. Because with people, it, it just doesn't have a stopping place because of their own animosity within for not dealing with issues in their life. They want to oftentimes transfer that to make other people feel as miserable as they feel. Yeah. 
Wow. I love how one of my favorite things about, and this is what, you know, bringing you on the podcast, why I wanted to is because you make Bible stories conversational, you know, like just to be able to just like, yeah. oh, okay, put it in my terms, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> That's the only way I can yeah. understand it. Thanks for it that. It takes a really smart person to foul it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we still have not talked about one thing I want to finish up with, and I'm going to have you finish by one, doing one other thing is one thing that people were wanting to hear about from you is leaving a godly legacy. Because like you said, we've, you have five children, all five of us are serving the Lord and, you know, have a great relationship with you and mom. And I take that for granted often because, you know, that isn't, doesn't seem to be the norm, you know, necessarily. And so, you know, I think that's something that more and more Mm -hmm. believers, especially want to make sure that we're passing on our faith to the next generation, you know, and any, any tips or advice you have on that? Well, yes, there is. And, you know, it's not so much a formula or a methodology, which there are places for all of these things. Absolutely, you know. And ones that speak to you, then you take that and apply it to life. But I really seriously believe that one reason we can just sit down right here and just talk to each other and visit and we do the same thing when we eat dinner together is we always, always to the best of our ability, ate dinner together. And you think about it, that's some of the most intimate fellowship that Jesus talks about. Mm-hmm. I'll knock on the door and if you have me in for dinner, I'll sit down, I'll, I'll talk with you because things just start to happen over dinner. In fact, even mortal enemies in the Bible and in the culture of the land and the region over there, we're pretty much duty bound. If you admitted your enemy to your house for a meal, even though you might have fought them that day in the field, but for whatever reason you let them come in and eat with you, now your strength was to protect them. And that's just how strong and intimate eating together is. And I know things have changed substantially, but the blessing of that experience of family dinner hasn't changed. Now here's the deal. The family structure has changed dramatically. And so that doesn't mean that because your family is restructured, that you have different names in your family now, you have different people, Divorce happens, all kinds of things happen. Abandonment and things that are very difficult. Well, that doesn't mean that there's no blessing for whatever you can do. Maybe you and one person is your family. And they may be 934 miles from where you are. So communicating the best you can, you know, a written snail mail letter, Still goes a long way. In fact, I see some of the big, the biggest apps right now is to actually handwrite a <laughs> yeah. note, and, and then this company will run it for you, stamp it for you, mail it. But it, but it's from you and your handwriting with your signature, and so that starts to indicate once again, technology cannot replace a personal touch. Yeah. It will never happen. And so, family, family meals are very important. Once again, whatever the structure of your family is, 
another thing that's very important on a legacy. I'm talking about a godly legacy. In other words, it's not like, you know, you kids, you better be good Christians. No, you know, you want to encourage, but that's not it. Legacy is something that lingers because your thoughts and relationship lingered after you were gone. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. One day your life will end, but your legacy will continue to follow you. And when your name comes up, like even while you're still alive, where you've been somewhere, you can go in a room and tell who's been there. If everyone's all on edge and upset, oh, have they been here again? You didn't see them, but you knew they had because of what was left behind, you know? And so uh, a legacy is something that is transferred through relationship. Another way that we establish that relationship with you guys, and we really didn't set out to, oh, this will build a legacy for us with mm-hmm. our children because a man's strength is in his children, sits in the gates, any accomplishment that he and his, and his wife has. Business person, I mean, a woman is raising a family and also running and raising a business, that takes extra, extra grace and insight from God to do that. So we oftentimes, the the time we had together, we would take time and read to you and read with you. And of course, mom was really the most proficient at that. And But once again, you, you got uh, the relationship going on there by that closeness, especially when you're little, sitting in our laps, you know, and let you turn the pages of the book and read one or two words that you learned. And we try to have you learn another word. No, uh, I want to go back to this page and then count to three when we we're trying to teach you to count to 10. So moving forward is always, always uncomfortable. But a relationship helps, helps any of us move along that, you know, you can always bounce back or snap back. Yeah, you know, when you actually have a bona fide relationship and it takes a time to establish that. So, yeah, eating is, is a meal together as often as possible is really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when you're growing up, we read to you and let you read to us. And uh, then just the personal care of a, of a mother, you know, Eve basically literally means bond of the living. And oftentimes when men get in distress or in or in times of war, I've, I've heard personally of people at first, when they're wounded, they oftentimes call for their mother. Mm-hmm. Why is that? You know, believer or non-believer, it's explained right out the chute there in Genesis. You are the Eve. You are the bond of the living. And that's why children oftentimes even choose to be with their mother if she may not be the best choice. You know, if a family divides, but there's such a strong bond there, and that's a God-given thing, and it's a good thing. So, you know, just like the scripture says, hey, we all parent the best we can. Hopefully, we learn the pattern and principles of scripture to help offset some of our deficiencies in parenting. Yeah. On that same topic of spending time together, we always did family vacations, too. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Those they, they, best memories we have. Oh, so. yeah. Because they normally do. Some part of it would turn into some kind of survival mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And, of course, that was kind of a, a joke with us, you know. But that's right. I mean, yeah. to this day, we can sit down. At, I mean, after dinner here, when you guys come and see us, we end up just sitting and talking with yeah. each other for half hour, hour, hour and a half. Yeah. 
two kids ever go to bed? You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, and the theme that I saw in everything that you just said was the investment in relationship, because that's a decision. Right. You know, you have to be intentional to invest in time with people, you know, quality time. And because it's easy to just say, you know, oh, we, there's no time for this. We can't do this. Uh, but you guys always made the time amongst all the things that you were doing, you know. So. Well, that's right. <laughs> because it stretches all of us because we like to be spend more time with one another no no doubt about that and, and having as a reason well I can't do this I don't have time it can gradually erode that relationship and cause bitterness to come in resentment because what that eventually translates to is whatever you're giving your time to particularly if there's another person that you're sowing life into their life and so I don't have time to come to your basketball game or whatever. Well, that stuff happens, and we all have to learn that that happens. That's called life, you know. And uh, But if it's a habitual pattern, something's out of balance. And that's when it, it's, a, it's an opportunity, really, that when you actually show up to that basketball game and didn't do that last minute call for the sale or whatever. You can't do too many of those walking off from them or you're not going to have a home to live in. So it's a balance and just trying to walk in mutual understanding and admiration of each other and the relationship that you have. Yeah. Well, this has been so good. I could talk for another three hours, which dad and I, when we get together, we always, we just sit and talk about all the things. But one thing I feel led to have you kind of close with is at the amphitheater, you would always finish with an altar call, right? Right. And I remember very clearly, you know, especially when you were playing Jonah, you would come up from, you know, getting spit out of the whale and you'd come up and man, that's a power that doesn't tug on your heartstrings. Right. I don't know what, you know, I just don't know what will get a hold of them. And so I just feel led as we were talking that some people listening today feel the Lord tugging on their heartstrings, you know, Uh, maybe they're not saved or maybe they are saved and they just, you know, are in a funk or away, maybe away from the Lord. I don't know. But if there's something, something similar, like you would have said at the amphitheater, the Lord would have you say to them today. Right. Well, absolutely. Because we can all identify with running from God, you know, pre-salvation or even after it's an uncomfortable feeling to, to do that. And so basically what I would encourage, you know, your listeners is to understand that God, God has never been the source of your problem ever. Not one time has he ever, or will he ever be the source of your problem And that is so true that demonic opposition wants to lie right from the very beginning of the book. It says, has God said to you? In other words, he's limiting your ability because he knows you'll be like God. Well, who wouldn't that appeal to? I can be like God. So I'll just run from God and run to the darkness and run smooth up against the wall. So here's the deal. We we pray like this. Father God, I thank you for hearing me when I pray. And I'm asking you to speak to my heart, change my life. I've hurt you. I've hurt others. I've hurt myself. But I receive your forgiveness and your healing. Old things are passed away. 
New things are come. Now, thank you for your loving kindness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, and if you just received the Lord today or God spoke something to you, we would love to hear it. So please reach out. Um, you can always leave comments here on the show or just reach out via email. Um, one other thing before we go, I think that people also, you know, obviously we we could spend an entire hour talking about the different ministries that you guys have going and kind of just scrape the tip of the iceberg there. But what are some practical ways that people could support what you guys are doing at the ministry? Well, we always have, of course, this is being on a more local level geographically, but need for qualified volunteers. And qualified means that they'll do at least the level of excellence they would, would do in a paid job. The scripture says in the day of this, this is an interesting demonstration of God's power in the last days. In the day of thy power, your people will volunteer freely. And so when someone is actually volunteering and stepping up to excel just the same they would on their job as an excellent backhoe driver or CEO, all of them are equally important because it all forms a community or forms a body. And so, you know, people's talents on a volunteer basis are helpful locally, but also those that have skills, because now we all do have an international platform. And so those that do have skills in technology and so on that would like to provide a service that might normally cost a thousand or ten thousand or twenty thousand to get you up and going, that would be helpful. And then, and then of course, no doubt, uh, monetary contributions are very important. And we are 501c3s and we are incorporated. So it's tax deductible. And that's helpful for everybody. Money is a tool. There's nothing inherently or innately evil about money. It's the love of money that causes shipwreck. And so, but money is as much of a tool as anything you'll ever have to help God's calling come come to pass. Yeah. And so those are three areas. Awesome. And yeah, in today's show notes, we'll make sure to include places where you can connect with them. And, you know, if you want to donate or if you want to volunteer, whatever, we'll have all that in today's show notes. Well, Dad, thank you again for coming on. This was the best interview I've ever done. So I had fun. (laughs) I've had a blast, honey. And all I can say is you real. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Now do you see why I gush about my dad so much? He has so much wisdom that after I turned off this interview, we actually kept talking for another hour. I would love if you'd consider donating to their nonprofit ministries. You can do so via the links in the show notes or head to oasisanimals.com and you can learn more there. Make sure to follow them on Facebook for adorable animal pics. All right, friends, that's all we have for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.